When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. Oh yeah, Saturday mornings are right here on Saturdays in the Gong. We're live. A, uh, outside broadcast from Wollongong Golf Club. It's a beautiful springish Saturday morning. I tell you what, Matt Campbell, former Illawarra Hawks star and Illawarra Hawks general manager of basketball, this is probably my favourite time of the year because just so much hope around. The finals are coming up. It's all happening next week. Spring racing's on, ready to go. We've got the Illawarra Rugby League grand finals happening today. And, of course, the NBL season's only a few weeks away. There's just so much hope around, unless, of course, you're a South Sydney fan. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Totally. It's a great time of the year for sport, and, and the weather's cleaning up at the moment. So it's a beautiful time to be part of it, and uh, what a fantastic weekend of sport we have still to come. Absolutely. You can get us on the text line 0457 736 736. Saturday's in the gong. is in the first hour in Sydney, 11.70 a.m., as well as 15.75 SEM and track Illawarra as well as the app or the website I'm Tim Barrow an Illawarra Mercury gibber of ill repute for about <laughs> 20 years now we're going to be talking plenty of rugby league this morning of course um, the Rabbitohs hopes were, were dashed you know, we love to be uh, rugby league experts, among other things, here on uh, Saturdays in the Gong. But you know what? I actually fell asleep at half time, so I had to go and do my, uh, my my study this morning. But I did think when Blake Taff went off after that head knock there in the first half, it was going to be really difficult for the Bunnies. Yeah, there was, that was definitely a disruption. I, I mean, the intent was there from both teams. You could see that they that was finals grade football that was being played. Uh, shame it wasn't played like that all year from both of those teams. But uh, yeah, it was outstanding. Crowd was good. Uh, it was a good game of football to watch. From one version of disappointment to another, the FIBA Basketball World Cup last night. The Boomers crashed out. Uh, Luka Doncic just did a job, really, didn't he? Yeah, too much, Luka. Um, you know, it, it was... The, the, boom, the Boomers were one of the favourites for the tournament. We were ranked third. Uh, uh, expe- expectations were to get a medal. And, uh, yeah, just ran into a really hot team. Um, Slovenia just really came out with a great game plan, uh, executed to a tee. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, back to the drawing board for the Boomers. But what a great team that we've got, um, you know, for the listeners that aren't following basketball too much. There's so much NBA talent right now in Australia um, playing, obviously, in this World Cup that uh, just takes a little bit of time to Jail. We've got some good youth in there. Josh Giddy was outstanding again. He's 20 years old. Um, definitely the future of the Boomers. Um, Paddy Mills was outstanding. Uh, we just need a few other players to step up. 
We'll be talking more basketball after 9.30. We'll be talking plenty of Illawarra sport after... Sorry, after 8.30. We'll be talking plenty of Illawarra sport after 9 o'clock, including the Illawarra Rugby League Grand Final with our own Mitch Jennings and plenty of other chat, maybe some rugby. Kerry Parker's got two Group 1 horses. Kembla Grange trainer up there at Randwick today. But joining us on the line now... The captain of the Saturdays in the gong ship. He's coming live from the country. He's been building sheds all week. Matty Russell, good morning to you. Jim Barrow, Matt Campbell, good morning. Coming to you from beautiful Orange. Gee, it's a nice morning out here. And this week, men, I've discovered I am still the worst builder in the world and sheep are still the dumbest animals on the planet. <laughs> now, um... Mate, I thought your, your number one home these days was the Fig Tree Hotel, but tell us about your mission that you've been on out there this week. My mate Dan Whiteley is building a shed, and when I say shed, think of a Qantas aeroplane hangar, because his daughter wants to get married later this month on her family farm, so we're racing to the finish line to get this monstrosity erection up and sturdy by the time she walks down the aisle and uh, has a reception here in in Orange. It's going to be a great night, but getting ready for it, well, it's testing both of us, and let me just say, I'm looking forward to dropping the tools today and getting back behind the microphone over the weekend, because a builder, I am not. <laughs> it's one of those things where size matters, by the sound of it, Matty Russell, so uh, how is your, uh, how is the building going, and I hope there's no accidents out that way. <laughs> when, I, when, I say, when I say shed, it, it is, it's not just like one of those things you park in your backyard, put your lawnmower in. Honestly, there are, I've seen some aeroplanes flying overhead, starting their descent, coming into this aeroplane <laughs> hangar. That's the park and have that checkup. But we did make our way into into Orange proper last night to watch those footy games. And I tell you what, for every one bar West Tigers fan, that was entertaining uh, last night watching Manly share the tries around and put 54 on the hapless Tigers. And then, of course, the game of the night: Roosters beating South Sydney. Look. I swayed during the week. I thought with Joey Manu out because of that hamstring problem with Wahria Hargreaves suspended, given the run they'd been on and the fact that South Sydney had had two weeks to stew on all this criticism, I thought there'd be a response. I actually started to believe that South Sydney would get the job done, but the story has to be South Sydney capping one of the remarkable slides from um, competition favourites and ladder leaders after round 11 to not even playing finals footy. And Plenty of uh, well-credentialed experts were saying South Sydney would win the comp this year. They're not even going to play finals. So there'll be an inquiry, and they'll start 2024 under significant pressure. Uh, Jason Dimitriou, good bloke, good coach, but he's got the work ahead of him now to get South Sydney back to where plenty of people say they should be. What about, I mean, the, the post-mortem on this, we saw Sam Burgess, a premiership winner and a, a club legend, leave the club so late in the season. Uh, obviously, issues and a fallout there with Dimitriou. But, I mean, in the fallout of it, so, like, it's one thing to have a form slide, but then uh, culturally to have such a significant issue, you know, so late in the season as their season was slipping away. Absolutely right. And that's the real correction that needs to happen now. Like, they will get... Jack White next year. They'll get a sprinkling of other uh, recruits, but they need to sort out the environment in which they compete. And uh, yes, the summer will be long. They'll take a mental break, but you know, come round zero next year in Las Vegas and the first few rounds of the season proper, uh, they'll need to show us they're a happy camp, that they're capable of getting back to the form they showed in the first half of this season. Otherwise, Jason Dimitriou, still very early on in his um, 
long-term contract will be under uh, under real heat. Now, the Dragons play the Knights at 7.35 tonight. The Knights are aiming to keep the ball rolling into finals next week. But the two key games basically left in the round, the Panthers and the Cowboys, that'll decide the minor premiership and also where the Cowboys land in this last round. That's at 5.30. And then tomorrow at 4.05 is the Sharks and the Raiders. The Raiders obviously sweating on... Well, they just have to win and they will get in regardless of what the, the Cowboys do. So two key games um, left to happen in what's just been a, a, such a thrilling round. I mean, when I was doing the tips, Matt Russell, during the week, you just had to know which way to move because once you tip one game, it sort of affected what your thinking was for three or four others. And you look at those games you mentioned today, not only do the Cowboys and their result against Penrith decide minor premiership, also huge ramifications for the Raiders. And the Roosters, of course, that outcome will be known in the final game of the regular season. What, what a year it is when the final round still has so many unanswered questions and the top eight will come down to the final game of the regular season. Uh, just before we get too far away from West Tigers, um, 59 missed tackles last night. Didn't their season finish a few weeks too late because conceding 54 against Manly. And Tolu Kola... 17 tackle bus, two triases. Like, what, what a player to watch in 2024. As is Hamali Olakawasu with more than 100 run metres, eight tackle bus, four offloads, three line breaks, two triases. He's got to be a smoky for an origin uh, berth next year. I can't believe I'm talking 2024 origins, not even 2023 finals. But a couple <laughs> of names there to watch for Manly next year. And, and this round, this season, it has just been remarkable. I'll put a question to you two men. Do we have it right in terms of so many clubs this weekend. We've got the Warriors resting players today. We've got um, Newcastle resting players. Do we need to go down the AFL path and have a buy round heading into the finals? I, I hate the concept. I, I, I just reject the idea out of hand. But having listened, having said, no, you've got to have an open mind, Matt. You hear that all the time. Having heard AFL people say, look, it actually works. We don't rest players in the final round now. The first week of footies footy is fantastic as a result we've got scheduling benefits to come out of it we've got travel benefits to come out of it for fans and they begrudgingly say you know what it's actually worked really well what should the nrl do yeah i'm with you maddie i i i'm i'm with this i like the idea of a rest rounder it does just disrupt the momentum of going into finals um but i do like the idea of the, making sure the best players are on the on the field day in day out and especially from the the gambling side of it's so prominent um, prevalent at the moment in sport that you need to make sure that you know you can walk in and know what's going on. But the reality is, you you want the best players playing at their best in finals to, to for this spectacular thing that finals is, and that's my thoughts on it. My my two reasons against it: um, one, the bottom teams in the top eight, five to eight, get an advantage because they get to have their players have a break. So the top four teams have always won the premiership and that's partly because obviously their form's better but they've gone into finals with the double chance and every advantage they've ever had and I think we've seen in the AFL that it's been a bit of an advantage for some of the teams in the bottom half of the top eight because they get that week off. Uh, the Western Bulldogs was the prime example for me. They they had that week off in I think it was the first year when they won the premiership with that week off so they 
they got to have a couple of players who were fit and firing for that final that they probably wouldn't have uh, otherwise. And the other example, uh, other thing for me is that the season's long enough as it is. I mean, you know, we're talking 27 rounds plus finals. If you had a bye weekend, uh, obviously we're still talking about which, which option's the best way to go with state of origin. And I mean, when you look at teams like the West Tigers and the Bulldogs at the moment, I mean, this, there's an argument for that the season's just too long in general because, I mean, you look at the Tigers last night. I, I was wishing you actually going to do sideline Matt Russell last night because you would have scored a try there mate the, sec- the second half of the Seagulls just kept carving them up didn't they <laughs> what about the way they started to hand off the tries to the people who hadn't scored tries this season great to see Jake Trevojevic score in his game 200 and then uh, Gordon Chan Kung Tong get over with a big smile on his face it was just fun footy to watch but the other element to this discussion is uh, minor premiership you know should we have it's 200000 bucks for the minor premium. Now, the pre-season challenge runs for two weeks, and the prize is $100,000. So try telling me that that's equitable. There is, a, there is a stance that, well, minor premiership doesn't mean anything because it's all about the grand final. So, so who cares about the minor premiership? You could make clubs care if all of a sudden there was five or ten million bucks up for grabs as the team that finishes first. Uh, would you go down that path? It certainly changes the shape of the Panthers game if there's five million bucks on the line, doesn't it? I mean, Definitely. you know, there's an argument Absolutely. to say, well, who cares? The Panthers could just pull ten blokes out tonight, and it doesn't really matter. Mm. Gives a chance for the Cowboys, but you know, when that financial incentive, which you know, the players need a personal incentive as well. You know, it's great to finish on top of the ladder, but you don't really get any difference in advantage one or two. So, you know, I guess a monetary incentive is really the only the only real chance, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that if we up the uh, prize money for the minor premiership, I don't know whether that comes through a, a sponsor or whether the league has the funds to do that. I think it would be a step in the right to set, right direction in terms of um, maintaining integrity in the competition through the final round. It wouldn't solve all the problems, but it could help. Now, it would be remiss of me not to bring up the Bulldogs' issues. Uh, As a Bulldog supporter, it's been difficult to watch on field for a number of weeks. But, um, you know, the the issues this week in terms of uh, player punishments and club culture, um, you know, there was a great line that Matty Johns used talking about there's a fine line between punishment and humiliation. Mm. Um, Now, obviously, it's an issue where you've got to be a little bit sensitive. I mean, there there seems to be, you know, a mental health issue around, you know, the player needing some time away but you know in broader there's got to be the question addressed about the Bulldogs culture simply because their on-field output has been terrible I mean there's been so much arm grabbing and lack of effort in terms of defense in the last few weeks now you can say well they're not making finals they're just going to switch off but there's enough talent in that squad to be able to be putting effort in where we've seen the Tigers except for the Manly game, they've had a crack in the last month mm-hmm. or so, and we've seen the Dragons being put putting effort in every single week, even though they're long gone. Yeah, definitely. And we talk about like what what it is to be a fan, what you want to see from your team. If you're not, if you don't have the talent, or if the season's not going your way, you want to see that the team's turning up night in, night out, and giving it a crack. And then, yeah, to your point about the off-field or, or training stuff and bits and pieces, the culture of the club that the Bulldogs have got right now is that's an interesting one. We, you know, everyone would have seen the movie Few Good Men when they, they ordered the Code Red and all that sort of stuff. It's that, it's that trying to instill discipline into a group of guys 
who who are financially getting very much rewarded um, and sometimes they can be skewed about why do they play football? Mm-hmm. Why are they there? Are they there for the, the money and to set themselves up long term or are they there for the actual the camaraderie and the team um, to push forward and, and, and do something special? And it's this is the fine line between... Um, the, the real professionalism of sport sometimes. And, the, and if you can get that right, you can build that culture from within and you drive it with your leaders. And you see that with Penrith right now. The, you, every time they step on the, on, the, on the field, they look like they are a unit. They play at the same level night in, night out. Now, they, they can get beat. Mm. We saw that um, last week. But they, they're just a machine, the way they play the game. And I think trying to instill that discipline, get that through leadership is very tough. And, you know, the Bulldogs have got a lot of work to do it. The humiliation side of things I do get you can you, there's, there's only so much you can do you've got to put it back as a, as, a, as a group of players you've got to have an internal system that tries to drive the discipline of the group once that's not working then you've got to have the club come over the top and put a financial um, pain on that player by finding them and, and making it really hurt. Matt Russell, I've spoke to a couple of former NRL players who have only retired in the last sort of handful of years and just asked whether this whole punishment thing is a bit overblown in terms of club culture. I mean, you know, is it sort of a rare thing that happens? And they basically, they both just sort of laughed and said, no, it is absolutely common. If, if anyone's late, if there's any misdemeanour in terms of the guidelines that they set at the start of the year, then those punishments are dished out. Uh, one of them used the example of that they had a dice so if someone turned up late you'd have to roll the dice a number would be a different punishment which might mean wrestling 10 blokes or it might mean having to shave your head so you know um, whether that's a question of NRL culture or not it's certainly a very commonplace thing within clubs absolutely it's been going on for a long long time without commenting on this particular incident clubs for years have been having fun punishments for being late, for missing tackles, etc, etc, etc. 99% of the time, they are well-received and, you know, you move on, the club benefits as a whole. Clearly, that hasn't been the case here. I don't know enough of the details around the individual to comment on what's happening at Canterbury. I will say that I did a, I did a presentation to a primary school from Ballymore, out near Dubbo yesterday, and there's a darling little girl in there, a Bulldogs fan, and she asked me, why are the Bulldogs so bad? And I, I didn't know how to answer that to this primary school, <laughs> apart from to use Andrew Voss, who called that game against Manly last week brilliantly. And, and he asked the question in commentary. I'm calling uh, Reid Marnie, passing to Billy Army Kickout, passing to Matt Burton, passing to Josh Adokar, and they still don't look like scoring a point. They still look like a rabble. Now, how is that the case? You have sprinkled really good rugby league players into this Canterbury team yet they have clearly the worst defence and worst differential for 2023 under the defensive coach who used to lead Penrith to premierships. I, how does that happen, Baz? What, what's gone on? Because there's been enough talent sprinkled into that team not to play like they have this year. The only conclusion you can draw is that there's something wrong in their training, their preparation, their fitness. There's something askew at Canterbury, unlike other clubs. And that's what they're trying to get right. That's what Cameron Serraldo is trying to fix as he heads towards 2024. I'm just staggered that with Matt Burton and Josh Adokar in this in the team that they cannot find enough ball for Josh Adokar. It just staggers me week in, week out. There's plenty of choice words I could use to discuss about the Bulldogs, but that certainly wouldn't be appropriate for a primary school. Matty, we better leave you to it. We know you're on the clock out there and you've got a big job to do for the rest of the day. We appreciate your time and we'll see you back on the desk next week. 
Enjoy the final round, men. Great to chat. We're here to a break. We're going to come back with some Group 1 racing. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Live from Wollongong Golf Club, good morning to you. Thanks to our sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects, waste management, emergency spill response, water rescue, plenty of key projects, avonprojects.com.au, Ryan Burke there with the team at Kaiama. Also to the illawaramercury.com.au, Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Head to impactgaragedoors.com.au and our magnificent hosts, the Wollongong Golf Club. Now, part of the reason why I love spring so much is all the good horses come back on track and we've got plenty of that action today. The Group 1 Memsey Stakes down there in Melbourne. I can offer a little bit of a tip. Uh, I like Osipenko uh, there in the Memsey. Around the $10. Still got the each way odds. You can make a similar argument for Princess Grace, but I thought the run in the winks behind Fangirl is the A form going down to Melbourne there today. And also, we've got plenty of uh, Kembla Grain support up at uh, Ranwick today. Matt Campbell, because Kerry Parker's heading there with two chances. We've got Think It Over, $2.90 in the Chelmsford. Gets out to 1600 It's a big ask second up uh, after such a long layoff from that tendon injury. But first up was just outstanding, a fantastic training effort to get back on track, let alone uh, run like that. And then Hope In Your Heart, I'll certainly be backing Hope In Your Heart, $8.50 in the tramway. That's race nine over the 1,400. I just think ideally placed. Um, will get the right sort of run and present. It's uh, if not already a star, it's a star in in the making. Have you got a Matt's mock oh, for us? And it is a mock too. I've got some value coming out of this one. It's race one. I'm going to go straight off the bat. Um, I'm going on Slickman, uh, another uh, Illawarra trainer in there in the prices. Um, Kathy O'Hara is on this horse. This one, I, I've been following this. It's in my black book. So I've watched it a little bit. I just like what it can do. Um, and it's got great value. At $31, uh, you can get some value in the first race. So that's the first race today. Uh, yes, Slickman, $31 uh, barrier 10. I have followed, and it's sort of been one of those horses that had a bit of promise, but just hadn't quite delivered before uh, getting a last start win there at Nowra. So mm. might have just found its best form and certainly could be a, a sneaky each-way hope. You've also got the gun sprinters. We're starting to look at the Everest. Uh, the old boys' nature strip and Eduardo come back. I actually tipped Eduardo on top. Now, I know a few are laying it, but I just thought if it's going to win a big race again, it's today. Mm. A 1,000 metres, barrier one, jumps and goes forward, will be hard to hold out. Now, I'm not going to be following Eduardo through the campaign, but I thought today might be the day. I'm not sure nature strip is the A1 horse that we've had for such a long period of time. I'm waiting for In Secret to get to the 1,200. I think the one 
ones that value certainly Remark and possibly uh, Bell and Lipatina coming up from Melbourne. So, but yeah, the uh, the Group Three Concord that's on the path to the Everest. Um, all the slot holders will obviously be holding onto their cash and looking to see, well, you know, where are we going to land in take in terms of an Everest horse? Yeah, definitely. It's a great, it's a great day of racing. This is a this is the outstanding setup for the for the for the spring in that space. And I'm actually looking forward to Nature Strip. To be honest, I. Um, you know, I was a bit disappointed with its runs last uh, last campaign. So in a couple of couple of those races. So today's a real chance for it. Um, it it's just this, this is the real money side of horse racing for me. This is where you want to see it. The build up into some of the bigger races. Um, you know, and I'm just excited that it's it's here on the doorsteps as we speak. Yeah, it's a, and it's a lovely race today because you've got those up and comers that have got that real potential to go to the to the top Everest grade up against the established stars who are probably on the on the fade, on the decline. Yeah, so, totally. You know, it's going to be a, a great match-up. Uh, that's the 1,000-metre Group 3 Concords. That's race seven today. The rail's out four at Randwick. So bet responsibly, and hopefully you can find a couple of winners. We're going to come back and talk about the Boomers after their disappointment uh, over there at the World Cup. So we'll head to the news. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. One of the most adaptable sporting songs. It's played at, uh, sung at EPL grounds, uh, mm. NBA basketball, plenty of different sports get into it. Bit of white stripes there for your Saturday morning. This is Saturdays in the Gong. You can text us 0457 736 736. We're in Sydney on 1170 for the first hour and then up till 10 o'clock, 1575 on SEN Track Illawarra. You can get us on the app or the website. Now we're going to drill into the expertise of Matt Campbell, the 2001 Illawarra Hawks Championship winner, former Boomer, Illawarra Hawks General Manager of Basketball. Now, uh, a disappointing way to go out um, after winning the bronze medal at the Olympics. You know, there's just been so much optimism about the standard of Australian basketball, the NBA stars we've got um, in the squad. Um, they dipped out 91 to 80 there last night against Slovenia. Um, amongst it, I guess Josh Giddy was the standout, 25 points. He had eight rebounds, four assists, but also six turnovers. What did you make of the game and, and what does it mean for Australian basketball now? Yeah, look, I, I actually think that we were probably outplayed and out out uh, coached, I guess, in this game. And I don't say that lightly. Brian Gorgian, Matt Nielsen, Adam Caporn, that coaching group is an outstanding group of coaches who coach the Boomers. But I just think that that game plan that Slovenia had, they were ready for us. They came out, Luka Dontic is an NBA superstar. We double teamed him instantly made the passes he needed to do. They hit the shooters in the corners and got off to a great start. They scored 28 points in the first quarter, the the, the most amount of points the Boomers have ever given up in the first quarter under Brian Gorgian as a coach. So really set um, really set their group up to be comfortable to play against the Australian team. Now, the Australian team is full of NBA stars, the same 
not quite the same level as Luka Dontich, but we do have NBA guys everywhere. So their team would have been nervous playing against us. I, for, for me, I think we missed the boat. I think we got an opportunity to play them straight up and down without having to double Luka. Um, we've got Matisse Thibel, who's an outstanding defender. We've got Green, Josh Green, who's also outstanding. Good length in Josh Giddy. Um, I just think well, I would have liked to have seen him play them straight up. And then what, what we weren't able to do is get free. They really slowed the game up. Any, any time we got an opportunity to have a fast break, which is part of the athleticism of this new Boomers team, um, Slovenia did a great job of uh, intentionally fouling without making it that obvious where the referees called it. So really slowed us into a half-court game. You can see that we scored 80 points. And uh, against uh, Slovenia we, last time, we, we scored well over 100 points. So really, um, I thought Slovenia is one of the teams that are definitely a medal chance in this thing, if not a gold medal chance. So an outstanding team. I was just a little bit, you know, the Boomers really were a little bit one-dimensional. Paddy Mills and Josh Giddy were outstanding. The rest of the group did their job. They were trying to do it, but we really needed a couple more players to step up. I mean, just sort of through the tournament, it just seemed a bit off, um, you know, going down to Germany along the way. I know Brian Gorgian called that early time out in that game and sort of criticised some of the, the effort levels, and it just kind of wasn't there. I mean, could you sort of see us just running into that inevitable loss in this game? I mean, what you know, they've just been a bit flat? Or? They have been flat, and I think... Uh, it was brought up on the broadcast last night, just the, probably the lack of uh, shooting that we have in this group. Like, they're out, like I said, outstanding young basketballers coming through, all NBA talent, um, probably just lack the firepower. They're doing a really good job of being role players at, at the NBA level. Um, we just struggled to score. And looking at the boomers, you know, Paddy Mills is creeping up to 35. Joe Ingles is in that 35-36 mark. Really looking to see who's that next generation of straight-up scorer from the boomers' point of view that, that we don't really have in that in that team so it's um yeah i was i, I was disappointed for the group they, they've done so much hard work um but i'm not surprised given that we lost to brazil in the lead-up games just really struggled to to find a style that suited the group um and obviously having jock landale go out um you know landale would have been that person who would have give us another option for a scoring presence on the floor um i think that was such a big key if we had chosen one spot that i didn't want to have an injury in it would have been the center spot with landale yeah okay um it seems like a fairly open tournament too. I mean, for the casual observer like me, you go into these major tournaments and you just expect that the Americans are going to win gold and everyone else is playing for silver. But I guess in in this case, I mean, you talked about Slovenia being a real chance and, and Canada are going to be a pretty close run thing as well. Yeah, well, Canada lost last night. So that's um, oh, put out. a bit of a dent. No, they've still got, a, they've still got opportunities. Um, so ha- with, with how the second round works, they've still got an opportunity. Yep. But yeah, there's been some real upsets. Um, you know, Spain lost uh, the other night as well. So... It's, it's one of those ones where this year is a year where um, anybody can win it and it's probably going to be a new person on that, uh, on, on that trophy. I think Germany look outstanding and they took the easy road that we would have been able to get through if we had of We actually had a really good draw to go into second round if we had been able to take, take care of our pool games to get through. They look really good. Lithuania um, you know, beat Greece easily, which is, you know, they, they look pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, Brazil snuck over the top of Canada which I didn't expect, but Brazil are quite talented as well. Uh, there is, um, you know, there's just an air about this, and it is the World Cup. Everyone sort of said the Olympics is always the, the, the premier, you know, tournament you want to win, but we're talking about the World Cup. This is World Championships. So, you know, these are some guys that are really playing hard, and we can see that with Luka Dontic. He's in the best shape of his life, um, and at the moment he's nearly unguardable.
Yeah, okay. Well, they certainly paid the price there last night. Well, as the NRL season starts to build towards the end, the NBL season's only just starting to, to ramp up. Uh, obviously, looking forward to this season opener up against the the hated Sydney Kings up the road. Um, you've only got a few weeks left. What have, what have you found in the build-up to the season with the Hawks? Yeah, we are. We are four weeks away from the start of the season. Um, the Sydney Kings, obviously, first up for the Illawarra Hawks at home on the 30th, AFL Grand Final night. And, um, you know, the, the Kings are looking for a three-peat, which is, you know, something that's unbelievable in sport. And they've done a fantastic job of recruiting on the back of losing Xavier Cooks, who's one of the NBA guys I was just talking about. Um, they've been able to get a great um, trio of imports which will really help them. Um, the biggest key for the Kings is going to be can they stay healthy because um, they probably don't have the depth and talent that they've had over the last two years, but they still are outstanding. So, you know, gearing up right now from the Laurel Hawks point of view, we've got a pre-season game tomorrow uh, against New Zealand, um, which is a good start for us to build into the Blitz, which is the pre-season tournament on the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, we will have three games. Um, and then, yeah, we kick off our campaign. So from the Hawks' point of view, we had a few injuries, just typical of pre-season, a couple of soft tissue injuries. Uh, one of our young kids who's got a, a lot of NBA attention right now, um, AJ Johnson, broke his nose uh, a week and a half ago now. Um, his mask is on its way, so we're hoping to get him in, back into contact in the next week or so. Um, to see if, how he can help us to, to win some games. So pretty excited with the roster we've been able to put together from the Hawks' point of view. We'll be, we'll be thereabouts, I believe, uh, around the league. But, you know, I've looked at uh, all the teams this year and the NBL, again, has taken another stride forward and I can't wait for the season to start. How does a young guy like AJ Johnson go, you know, obviously wants to come out and make his mark and show what he's got? Uh, and then sort of cops that early on. It can, can knock the confidence around. How's he, how's he sort of responded? Yeah, look, obviously he can still do his individual work. I uh, just can't take the contact until that mask gets here. Um, yeah, he, he, he seems good. Like, and the, the reality for AJ Johnson and a lot of these young guys that come out to Australia that tried... Uh, learn their craft. It's not always about being a superstar. It's about learning how to be a pro. Um, day in, day out, lifting weights, playing hard, not taking possessions off. Um, we're trying to teach that into some young kids, especially in the US where they've got the co uh, high school and college system where they play against their own age group for, for a long period of time. So if you look at Australian sport, you look at rugby league or AFL or basketball, you, if you're any good, you get elevated to senior level very quickly. Um, you know, 14, 15, 16 years of age, you're playing against real men. Um, that's the advantage that um, we have with our culture. That's why guys, when they get to the NRL, are able to compete when they're in their, like, still in their teens, where the US guys really seem to struggle because they're playing against their own age group where they don't have to compete like that day in, day out. Um, so that's why the Next Star program, which is getting these young guys, is so important. It gives them an opportunity to be... Um, real professional athletes and go up against men who are playing for livelihood. They're, they've got kids and wives that they're trying to look after. They, they want to cement their spot. So it's a, um, a unique environment for them. The reality is they don't need to be you know 25-point uh, guys. They need to learn how to play and stay on the court and help a team win. The Illawarra Hawks take on the Sydney Kings on Saturday, September 30 here at the Wynn Entertainment Centre. Should be an absolute cracker to start the season. Plenty more to come on Saturdays in the goal. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. 
There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Tim Barrow, Matt Campbell. Now, Matt, we know how beautiful the Illawarra and the south coast is with its beaches and plenty of other attractions down here south of Sydney. But one new opportunity being discussed, we had the Australian Cruise Conference here in Wollongong this week, and one opportunity being discussed is to make Port Kembla a cruise ship terminal. Um, Sydney's sort of becoming at capacity, and they're looking at other options of where some tourism might come out of that. So joining us on the line now is the Destination Wollongong General Manager, Mark Slade, to chat about what opportunities could be available. Good morning to you. Hey, Baz. Hey, Matty. How are we? Yeah, good, mate. Great to have you on board. It's been a, a big week. We've seen uh, politicians, um, people involved with cruise lines come out and talk about what opportunities might be available in terms of using Port Kembla as a potential cruise ship terminal destination. Um, what do you make of the week and what opportunities do you see? Oh, look, it's been a massive week. Um, I think we're. this is a conversation that we'd started um, pre-COVID and Sydney uh, overseas passenger terminal had reached capacity, couldn't welcome any more cruise ships, which was stifling growth in the in the state. Um, Port Kembla was certainly seen as a genuine alternative at that point in time, but um, with COVID, obviously the um, cruising dropped off considerably and it's been a conversation that's been on hold now for four years, but it was fantastic to welcome the Australian Cruise Association here this week to Wollongong. Uh, all the top executives from around the world here hearing um, about the opportunities for growth in uh, in Australia and certainly Port Kemba was, uh, I would say, front and centre on top of their list uh, of alternatives to that overseas passenger terminal. So a fantastic week all round for Wollongong. And when, when we talk, I mean, obviously, you know, we all know full well that Wollongong's a good hour or so south of Sydney. We've all done the, the train trip up and down to go to the go to the footy or go to a concert or something else. But, I mean, in world standards, there are plenty of sort of benchmark um, comparisons in terms of, uh, you know, these terminals being used around major international destinations. Yeah, 100%, Timmy. Um, I think what, what the important distinction, I suppose, is the other cruise ships that Wollongong's welcomed are, are what we call transit calls. So the, the calls come in, the ship comes in for a day, everyone gets off off the ship, goes out and sees uh, sees the cities and, and the surrounding district. What we're talking about now is turnaround. So that's where a, a ship comes, everybody gets on board, everyone comes back and leaves from, from the actual ship. So that, And that's a really important distinction in cruise ship terms. Um, I guess for, for Wollongong, there's no end of um, examples internationally of cruise ship turnaround ports that are 60, 72 hours um, from the actual capital cities that people are used to visiting. So I think one of the great strengths of Port Kembla is certainly our connectivity in Sydney. Uh, we've got a rail line that effectively goes all the way through to Port Kembla where the, where the port would be um, situated. We've got um, obviously a great um, road network that gets us to and from Sydney and both international airports under 60 minutes. Um, so the cruise line certainly don't see that as being uh, anything negative um, as far as Port Kembla goes. And the other thing that keeps coming up, which is also not seen as a negative, is Port Kembla is a working port. So the majority of these turnaround ports internationally are very much working ports. They're, you know, We've got coal coming in, we've got cars coming in, we've got grain going out. Um, that's all seen as a positive because it's 
colour and movement that's happening and cruise ships are well used to working in those kind of environments. What, what would it take in terms of, um, you know, infrastructure building around the actual, uh, you know, I guess, tourism side of the port? Is just, I mean, it's, you know, a, a, a close, deep water harbour, uh, so there's plenty of potential there. But, I mean, is, is there a lot of legwork to be done in terms of um, building the, the, the cruise ship uh, terminal around it? Yeah, there's certainly um, a, a major piece of infrastructure work that needs to be done. The port, um, since being taken over by New South Wales ports, has been an absolute success story for Wollongong. It's at virtually full capacity, so there's no existing berth in the port, in the inner harbour, that would be able to f- facilitate cruise ships. What would be required is the development of the outer harbour, and I think it's another exciting um, potential development um, because... If industry were to bring some money and government were to match it, it'd be the start of that outer harbour development. The outer harbour development not only brings a cruise ship berth, it brings no end of other industries. It brings the potential for major infrastructure projects like the Morgan Dollar Rail Link, for example, being able to connect to the international to the second international airport and that growing population in southwest Sydney by creating that rail link would not only benefit the cruise industry, it would benefit the Wollongong community would benefit the port being able to get freight out into southwest. It's a complete game changer for Wollongong as a whole. And Mark, I mean, there'd be a hell of a business case financially in terms of the tourism opportunities it'd bring. Oh, look, you can't begin to start thinking about the tourism opportunities it brings. It's, um, you know, it brings hotel development. It brings the, the um, connectivity, um, which, is, which is a really important thing. I mean, the, the most important piece of tourism infrastructure anywhere is connectivity you need to be able to get from one point to another as quickly as possible to experience what you want to experience and you know being able to develop this cruise ship terminal in port kembla would bring a new level of infrastructure that we haven't seen before and would benefit community it would benefit visitors it would benefit industry um, on a daily basis and if this could be a catalyst project that would kind of unlock another layer of potential for Wollongong, Mate, what a wonderful appreci- way to appreciate your t- beautiful cruise ship no, absolutely. Appreciate your time, mate. Really looking forward to the potential of it. We've got to head to a break. That was Mark Slay from Destination Wollongong. Plenty more to come. Saturdays in the gong. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Thanks for joining us on 11.70 in Sydney for the first hour. You can stick with us in the second hour on 15.75 Illawarra SEN Track or the app or the website. The Mowers Club will be coming on board in Sydney after 9 o'clock. The NRL today, the Dolphins and the Warriors at 3. The Panthers, can they get the minor premiership at home against the Cowboys at 5.30 before the Dragons try and walk away from the season with something to smile about uh, and basically stop the night's uh, run of victories. The great man, Mitch Jennings, is in the house. We're going to be talking all about the Illawarra Rugby League Grand Final, Collegians and the Rule after 9 o'clock. It's going to be a huge day of Rugby League there at Wynn Stadium. Thanks for joining us in the first hour. Plenty more to come on Saturdays in the Gong.
There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the gong without a bit of Elton along the way. Good morning to you on SEN Track Illawarra 1575 in the Illawarra. And thanks to our new sponsor, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects, waste management, emergency spill response, industrial services, water rescue and key projects, avcon.com.au. With thanks to Ryan Burke and the team there at Kiama. Also to our other sponsors, Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years, impactgaragedoors.com.au and the Illawarra Mercury. Head to illawarramercury.com.au and subscribe. Now, I know you blokes love a feed. How about this? The Wollongong Golf Club are hosting a Meet the Makers five-course degustation outdoor flame and grill experience on Thursday, 14th of September. It's 6 to 9.30 in the 1897 Garden Bar, $120 per person. But when you check out the menu, it is absolutely well worth a gin-cured smoked salmon, stuffed pork belly with anchovies, garlic, oregano and lemon, confit, duck legs, marinated lamb kebab, and then finish it off with smoked cheese, pickled pears, musket grapes, and whole grain crackers. Sounds I'll tell like you what, any Friday night you have at least three of those courses washed down with a bottle or two of red at the uh, at the Casa de Barro. Um, I was thinking more Miss Jennings is joining us now. I'm thinking it's more as he's leaving the pub getting that lamb kebab. That's where I was thinking. That's what, Sneaky well, lamb. That's what we call that's what I always thought degustation. On the way up or the way out. So that's the question. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that will be a ripping night though. $120 per person. The Meet the Makers five course degustation. Mm. So check that one out on the 14th of September. Righto, the Illawarra Rugby League. It's Christmas Day for Mitch Jennings. You've walked in with a hat saying, up the guts. I'll tell you what, there's going to need to be plenty of that if uh, Collegians off the rule are going to win the Premiership today. Indeed, there is. I'm really, really excited for this one. Baz, as you said, it's a sort of a Christmas day for me. I love this day of the year and you get out there. And I've just seen some great ones over the last 10 years, Baz. But what really strikes me about this one that I've spoken to a few people about was, you know, I, t- I tipped Collegians and I I made my, I called my shot probably with two weeks to go in the regular season and just said the way these things are playing out, how brutal these games are getting down the stretch. I'm going to be picking whoever wins the major semi and gets the direct path into the grand final will, will be my tip. Uh, and that's proved that way. And I'm not jumping off Collegians, but what is interesting about it is that my reasoning for that has probably um, shifted because I think the way they've come through, they've been great finals games of footy, but probably haven't had the, the brutal toll that often the path to a grand final can take on a side. The rule were a bit hit and miss sort of through the year. And the timing there, run, they're getting a lot of troops back at the right time. So they're going in very healthy and very, very fresh. Collegians, obviously, with the week off, they were really, really good against De La Salle. So we're getting two sides that are going to be coming in physically peaking and very, very fresh. I haven't quite seen that. Usually in recent years, you'll, you'll have a tip based on, you know, one of them coming in a bit wounded or having to walk a bit of a bit of a path but they've both come in and they're peaking at the right time and it just it just makes for what will be such a good contest this afternoon and there was a time where when dapto were flying that there was an argument that the rule weren't even going to make the finals and you know now they're 80 minutes from a premiership and as you said a red hot chance yeah indeed that's right there dapto went on that sort of fairy tale run and it was putting a bit of a bit of pressure on them there i actually think in the end it's 
it's helped rule as much as the you know Dapto came along and it did sort of light a bit of a fire under them. I actually think coming in in that fourth spot they had a losing record. They've come in seven and eight into the into the postseason. But I mean this is a club that has twice won minor premierships in recent years and gone straight out in straight sets. The, the win in the minor semi-final a couple of weeks ago was the Butchers' first finals win since 2018. So they've been there about, they've been pace setters in the competition and it's never really served them well come finals time. They've typically been coming down the other side of their peak when finals hits. This time, not being in that top two race, probably not being in that in that mix to try to get or to try to finish there and all the benefits that go with that. They've just been able to gear everything towards timing their run nicely at, um, at where they've gotten and they've peaked at the right time, they're clicking at the right time obviously Dapto did them a favour, Coromel sorry, did them a favour with knocking off Dapto in the penultimate round so that let Jared Costello approach the final round with some, some troops coming back in uh, in a different type of fashion and they're just they are, they're, I've been saying it all week to everyone who you'll talk about it, there's just a sense of timing about this Butcher's outfit and coming from fourth and doing it the way that they've had to do it this time it's it's sort of playing into their hands, it's the, it's the thrill culture that we're sort of a, you know, pretty familiar with. So I think coming in, the, the, the sense of timing is, is just perfect for him. Well, it sounds mouth-watering from that point of view. Earlier in the show, we were talking about how <clears throat> the the resting of players in the NRL at the moment, about trying to get into the finals, making sure that you've got the best team possible. And sounds a little bit like that with the rule. Looks like they've been able to uh, manage their players throughout the season and, and have that losing record, but obviously come good at the right time of the year and giving themselves an opportunity to, you know, potentially be champions. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big debate at the moment about least this resting and, and, and being right, but it's a lot to be said with a bit of confidence going in. And this is the, the other argument that we had from the NRL point of view is that if you rest people and you drop a game, are you, you know, and, and does that hurt the confidence of the group? Are they still in the same frame of mind or do they just wipe it off and go, oh, we didn't have this player and this player and now we can keep going on with it? Yeah, it's an interesting question when it relates to sort of this league because it's changed shape so often. We've had, um, obviously, the last couple of years we had the big wet, so we had games getting called off left, right and centre. Then we had the uneven number of teams, so you had a bye thrown in there mm. plus a wet weather week. So what we were seeing a lot in this competition was injuries happening because guys were coming back and playing intense level footy after having not been on the training paddock having right. not played for a couple of weeks. So this year it did bite, I thought, on some teams through the year. Just the first time in a lot of years that they've just played week after week after week tough, hard footy. With the, the six teams, obviously Dapto were a finals contender. Coromel always put on a tough game for you and with his six-team comp, yes, it's only six teams but just made for a, a brutal outing week after week after week. But you can see it did take a bit of a toll on a lot of teams, I thought, sort of in that penultimate round stage. But it's just that tough football seems to have got them all primed. And the finals footy we've seen has been absolutely outstanding. So, I, I, the, it, obviously, it's a good question, Matty, because it has played into the fact, like I said, I, that these are two uh, teams healthier going into a grand final than I've seen in mm. quite a little while. Wow. Every grand final delivers great storylines, but there's been a couple of cracking stories this week just talking about, you know, former teammates now playing on opposite sides of the field. There's a, a lot of crossover in this, which we do tend to get in the Illawarra competition, but, you know, there's um, you know, players going for multiple premierships, others going for, for their first after missing out a few years ago. So there's some great, great storylines in it. Yeah, absolutely. There were so many. Like, it tosses these, you know, this week tosses up so many storylines every year, Baz, as you'd be aware, but there's, there's so many intriguing ones in this. I've called it convergence is sort of the theme I've been using because if you want to talk about, I guess, I wrote a team of the decade story this year, so I've covered it now for 10 years, and you look at, it's sort of where you look at a whole generation of players, and so many of the, the good champions are all featuring in this one this afternoon. I've called it convergence because, obviously, you've got Blake Phillips there skippering collegians. He's looking for his fourth premiership with collegians, his fifth premiership all up. 
Uh, he's coming up. He, he was obviously back there in Helensburg, and they lost two in a row in heartbreaking fashion uh, before they broke through. And in that team was Wayne Bremner and Jared Boyle, who today will be playing for Thoreau and looking to go out on top as a pair there. And Jared Boyle, well, he was there for two premierships with Collegians, and he was the... I, I, went through it in some detail about the the match match winning pass he threw there in 2019 and speaking to some of his former teammates about that and how they know that's what he's going to bring to this game and that's why they're wary of him so the the crisscross of the different stories and the players who've really held this competition up uh for you know the 10 years they're, they're all here they're all featuring and it's one of these things that they all deserve you sit there and go oh, i'd love to hear, i'd love him to win i'd love to see him win and they can't all they can't all win the, the other interesting fact that only sort of dawned on me a bit later on baz was speaking with hayden crosland the uh the rule skipper the only survivor of that 2018 side that went down in heartbreaking fashion they were down 18 nil at half time came back and got back to 18 16 and coming home with a wet sail and time just ran out on them and at the rule side like i said they've been in minor premierships they've they've been right in that frame but the turnover in that side just makes you realise how hard they are to win because there were some great players and some great champions of that Thoreau footy club that never got the silverware. And here is Hayden Crosley, he was only a kid back then. He's now the skipper. He's the only one left, him and coach Jared Costello. It tells you how hard and how rare the opportunities are to win because that whole generation of players went on you know, went on and, and didn't get it and fell short. So I'll be, uh, you're right, Bass. They're, they're everywhere. I could go on, on and on about the stories, but uh, yeah, it, it's rife with them. And this is the extraordinary thing about the Illawarra competition because there is criticism that it's only a six-team competition. It's very hard to run a successful competition when you don't have more teams, but it just has this knack of being able to produce ripping grand finals just about every year, as we saw last year with Collegians getting it done against Wests in a little bit controversial, but just absolutely <laughs> thrilling style as well. Yeah. It was absolutely thrilling. We had that. You always think you're going to turn up, and surely I think one of these is going to be one of those bludger of a grand final. Mm -hmm. You know, where one team's just limped in and the other team just runs away with it. We see it often. We see it in NRL level. I'm, I'm yet to see it at Illawarra Rugby League level. It is always turning on thrillers. And from the first one I watched back in, in 2014 to last year, the and. You're right, Baz. It's the, the, the standard is what continues to say that, look, there's a, there's a lot of discussions to be had about what rugby league in the Illawarra will look like in future, about more teams, about conf all this type of stuff is a conversation to sort of be having that will be had, I imagine, too, after, um, you know, this, this grand finals run and won. But what keeps saving it is the standard of football. And in a roundabout way, it's probably another discussion to head down another path, but it's almost that standard at the top end is what makes it six teams because it's so hard to come into this competition and rebuild or to build against this quality opposition that you have to play at the top end so it can almost be prohibitive in that way but you know De La Salle coming down they, uh, they'll be disappointed with the season they had having gone out in, in straight sets having been the minor premiers but they've brought that dimension so there's a, there was a genuine top four going in this year that I hadn't seen as far as for uh, six teams, yes, but four teams that could genuinely win the competition. That hasn't been the case in the past. When I've covered eight teams, there's only been probably two or three that can win the comp. It's, it's been very different to change of shape, but yeah, and the, this day just, is, you cannot miss. It just turns it on thrillers year in, year out, and it's why, it's why the day, like I said, feels like Christmas Day to me. Yeah, <clears throat> sounds exciting from that point of view. Now, and the other, the other other thing from my point of view is what who's the next talent coming through that you see that's got potential to be NRL level? That, that There's always some of these games where someone stands up and makes a name for themselves. Is there someone in the in these teams that can really put their hand up? 
Yeah, it's, it's a very good question, Matty, and I've, I've got a very, very quick answer for you. Callum Gromick, the fullback for Collegians, uh, he's a Willow product, but he's been there all year, been a live wire. Uh, as I wrote in the paper today, Brucey Pryor calls him Winks. Right. That'll, tell you, about, that'll yeah. tell you about how he gets across the turf. It's his Group 1 star, right. they call him. But, look, he's been a Willow product. He's been in the Dragons system. Uh, hasn't quite made it stick there. He was briefly in the Roosters system as well, but couldn't quite... You know, find his spot there as well. But the season he's put together, as far as I'm concerned, he he's the Paul McGregor medalist in my in my eyes. I think he's been the best player in the competition this year. He's only 22. He pops up all over the park with the ball, without the ball. Uh, and if you're looking at a guy from that that age group, because you know a lot of guys are at different stages of their careers. You've got a lot of there's usually a bit of a gap. There's guys that are just established and they're well established in this competition, and that's their that's where they're going to stay. Then the other guys coming through, they're still hunting higher honours, and he's certainly one of them. And the other one, I, I guess, as far as I wrote this week that Thrill have some young guys that have come through there. They won the First Division Premiership back in 2020 through that COVID year, and they've got two or three guys that are coming through there in Taj Whitford, in Caleb Hockey, and Eamon Carney, these guys. And I think if they can they can get a win today, they're trying to halt a Collegians dynasty that just has these champion forwards and guys that have won comps. It could really set in motion a, a, a Thrill dynasty if they can get this done today, because as much as they've got some veterans that will get them home today. There's so many guys coming through behind them. I think a lot of positive signs and a, and a way forward for you know, how most clubs should approach it. So, But in answer to your, your initial question, Matty, if there's any scouts that are heading around or want to go have a look, Callum Gromick. He's, he, he shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced it'll be mm. this is the last we see of him in Lawara today because I'm sure he's got high level written all over him. Wonderful. So we'll see. Three o'clock this afternoon, Collegians and Thoreau at Wynn Stadium. It will be an absolute belter. I'm looking forward to it. It's also live and free on Bar TV, streamed as well. So if you can't get to the ground, try and tune in on the laptop. Group 7, uh, there's a grand final spot up for grabs when Stingrays play Gerringong tomorrow at Flinders Field at 3 o'clock. And Shell Harbour, the Sharks, take on Nara Bomaderi to keep their season alive at Ron Costillo Oval this afternoon. So plenty of rugby league action this weekend. Now, question without notice, boys. Who ends up having the more satisfying season, or is there no answer to this? When you consider St George, Illawarra had no hope, and they play their last game tonight against the Knights. Or South Sydney, who had all the hope in the world and have been crushed their dreams last night against the Roosters. Jeez, it's a, just a bizarre way to end the season, isn't it? Oh, it's not even a question for me. Yeah, I the, agree. the Dragons, you're happy as. You sit there and go, they found something. You know, it was there was a lot of question marks over Anthony Griffin's future coming in. That's sort of been settled, so as much as that was messy, there's now a direction going forward. Under Ryan Carr, they've, they've found something. They might get a win this afternoon, they might not, but they're, they're playing with some grit, determination, all the things that you, you want to see. South Sydney, well, it's staggering to be... I cannot say, I don't know, Baz, you've been watching footy even longer than I have. Can you recall a capitulation in a season quite like it? Leading the competition after 11 rounds with three buys to come. That's the new element of this season too. Teams get three buys and to yeah. not get there, it's it's catastrophic. Diabolical. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I can't remember a standout fade. No doubt there'd be, be a couple, but it's often teams on potential. You know, the teams that are on the up that overperform early and well, have got Broncos. All... Look at Broncos last year. Mm. They were a team that, that was a fade. But if you look, I've thought too with in Paul McGregor's year when they were winning the comp, they should have mm. finished top four that year, but they dropped to seventh. But that year, Baz, they won 15 and nine. Mm. They still won 15 and that, that yeah. was what it took to get into the eight that year. So there's different yeah. fades, but oh, like I said, sorry, I interrupted you, Baz, because no, I was no. just going, but it's, it's, yeah. 
I've been raking over my mind everywhere to try to think of one, and I just can't. It's really intriguing the next day or so too as well. With the, you've got the Panthers and the Cowboys. The Panthers have got the chance to win the minor premiership, but the Cowboys are desperate to stay in the hunt. And then you've got the Sharks and the Raiders tomorrow. So, you know, we haven't locked in the top eight. There's still two really key games about how that's going to fall. And as we mentioned before about, you know, the tipping in the first hour, I mean, it's just, it was horrendous to try and sit down and do this week because every game seemed to have a connotation mm. for another game mm. and you had to sort of pick your path your way through it. So um, two key games. I'm really interested to see in the response from both the Raiders and the Sharks tomorrow because... The Sharks were good in that first half. I thought for most of the game they sort of they were in the contest and it just just sort of fell away against the Knights team who are almost irresistible at the moment. But the Raiders, you know, Ricky's been pretty prickly the last few weeks, and you just expect that there's going to be some kind of response there tomorrow as well. It's interesting. I said on this show with Matty Russell last week, Baz, when it comes to the Cowboys, that was just so interesting for me because this it has been a season of, of flops, hasn't it, really? like mm. it's, it's what's notable. Last year, what was notable was the rise of the Sharks, the rise of the Cowboys, sides that hadn't been in that mix, rising, Parramatta going to another level and reaching grand final. That's what the sort of last season was like. This year, it's been... The sides that have been underwhelming have been the narrative. Was Parramatta don't even make the eight after a grand final. The Roosters, we know how bad they've been. South Sydney, it's been catastrophic. But I think amid all that, the Cowboys have managed to go a little bit under the radar in, in how disappointing they've been. To be in this position, I thought last year, top four, and they fell short. I still thought that's this is the start of something. I thought they'd the build Cowboys. too. They're yeah. on the build. I really thought they'd be right up in that top four mix and even in the title mix this year. And for whatever reason, it hasn't got... I, I, I said as well, I don't know if you deserve to be in the finals if you've had 66 points put on you by the West Tigers. <laughs> whether, that, whether that should just disqualify you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really think they've been... They've escaped a lot of scrutiny because, mm. obviously, in Queensland as well, the rise of the Broncos again has captured a lot of attention. Early on, we had the Dolphins, Dolphins and everything they were bringing. So they're just sort of up there going about their business in, you know, it's got to be said, in a bit of ordinary fashion along the way. So they might go on a run. We, we spoke about their last grand final appearance was a run from scraping into the finals on four and against and then getting to a grand final and just being obviously blown off the park when they got there. So that's what they need to comprehend. But I think Cowboys, to me, have been really, really disappointing and probably haven't copped the, the scrutiny or the criticism over it, just given... You know some of the other some of the other uh, you know fades and flops that we've seen. And Matt Campbell is a former professional athlete yourself. The Panthers they got a bit of a choice tonight. Either they rest a whole heap of blokes because first doesn't really matter against second, mm. or you go and go your hardest, go for a minor premiership, get the little bit of prestige that goes with it, and take that momentum into into finals without Jerome Luai. Which way do you? Which way would you go? Oh, oh look, I'd go for the win because I always do it that way. But we've seen with the Penrith team, they're able to do that. They're able to rest guys and have a situation where they can lose a game and they don't um, <clears throat> don't lose their confidence. And that's the hardest thing. If you've got that build and belief in yourself, and if they lose a game, they don't seem to to worry. So yeah, I, I think Panthers this will rest people. I think they, that's the way they'll do it. I've actually got the Cowboys winning and I've got the Sharks winning so that the Cowboys sneaking. So I'm, in, I'm on that bandwagon of, of a few, few years ago. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, it's an interesting one about the, the Penrith. Penrith is an anomaly. I think they have got an ability to be able to rest people and still be great. I wouldn't like to see it from other teams. I think that they don't have the luxury that the Pen, Penrith Panthers do with their talent level and the belief that they've got. Do you look... I was, it's brought up the interesting discussion. I, I think it was uh, the great Joey Johns, the eighth, uh, brought it up in a column I read from him this week. People talk about should we, should we get more reward or should there be a higher prize on offer for the minor premiership? Because I know Craig Bellamy has, has said it before because they won so many through that era. They're, he now seems to be a side there. They try to time their run more than setting that standard that they used to just from start to finish. But if the 
greater prize was on, a greater financial prize. If players got bonuses, I think Joey suggested if you give that, let's see what they do. And Matty Russell was offering yeah. $5 million. Yeah, well, there you go. Think about it. It's interesting, but it, it, it would have changed the shape of how... It's certainly changed the way pe- people approach the season, how teams oh, I think the season I, I think if you much of a prize. Yeah, I think if you bonus the players, I think if you actually bonus the players, I think then mm. you'd get a situation where no one would want to be rested uh, and they'd play a lot harder. There'd be some chief executives with some sweaty palms. <laughs> all right, we've got to go. Collisions and through all this afternoon, 3 o'clock at Wynn Stadium, the Illawarra Rugby League Grand Final. Catch the dulcet tones of Mitch Jennings live and free on Bar TV. Go well this afternoon, Jeno. We'll head to a break. We're going to come back talking the round ball game. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. continues in the Illawarra Premier League today as well. Uh, what do we got? We've got Wollongong Olympic up against Coniston in a knockout game, Albion Park. The Premiers for this season take on Cringilla tomorrow. That's at Weatherall Park for a spot in the grand final. And with us is our Illawarra Mercury football expert, Jordan Warren. Good morning, Jordan. Have we got him? We might have lost him already. So, yeah, Albion Park, they've uh, been just about uh, irresistible this year, taking on Cringilla. Uh, they won the league pretty handily, but there's plenty of experience trying to chase them down, including Wollongong Olympic up against uh, Coniston there. Let's try that again. Have we got Jordan Warren on the line? No. Still got an issue. All right, well, we'll come back to that. Um, I want to talk more about the Meet the Makers five-course degustation. What, uh, what takes you, your fancy there, Matt Campbell? Smoked salmon, pork belly, duck legs, lamb kebab? Watch. Duck legs, always duck. Whenever I go and I see it on the uh, on the menu, I'm always a duck fan. That's funny because I never used to like it when I was growing up. Mum and Dad used to call it chicken, and it used to have pellets <laughs> through it when they uh, used to go duck hunting I back must, in the day. I must admit, I, I do love duck. Um, that's Thursday, 14th of September, six to nine thirty in the 1897 Garden Bar. So get onto the Wollongong Golf Club if you want to get involved in that. Uh, I think we've got another shot at talking to Jordan Warren this morning. You there, mate? Yeah, g'day boys, how you going? Good mate, we're cutting it fine now after uh, Mitch Jennings was led on the leash about the Illawarra Rugby League grand final, but Albion Park tomorrow, they've wrapped up the uh, the Premiership this year, they're going for the double, what do you make of the two contests over the weekend? Yeah, there's plenty going on in both the, the Premier League and the District League this weekend, Baz, it's uh, getting to the crunch time, just in time for almost a couple of weeks away from the grand finals, but uh, yeah, Albion Park tomorrow at Weatherall Park back in action. Of course, they had that first week off in finals after claiming that that league championship. They go up against Cringilla, and for Cringilla, of course, they were one game away from a, a grand final last year, but, but this has got to be the biggest game in Cringilla. Cringilla's last history, history in the last 10 years, surely. Last year, of course, they were, they were one game short against United, but um, they've shown better form this year, and they've got some absolutely cracking talent in their team. They've got Simonoski, of course, Golden Boot, 
We know the skipper of the side. They've got a, a star-studded attack, but they're going to come up against a, an extremely strong and resilient uh, Albion Park side that have just proven that they're that they're by far and away the best team in the league. They won the competition by by 12 points, and and, and of course Albion Park, as they did, won the league championship. But of course they won the, the grand final back in 2016. They haven't won one since then, and they probably haven't really performed to the standard that they set in 2016 since then. So they'll be gunning to make that grand final. Of course, both teams have a, a second chance. If they lose, they can play again next week to qualify. But I'm predicting Albion Park to get through. I think that they're, they're just too good. The, the last time the two teams played, Albion Park won 2-1. It was an extremely close game at Korean Park on a Friday night. And it was a mistake that, that led to the, the Albion Park second goal late to win it. So Grangilla can definitely cause problems. But I think Albion Park are going through to the grand final. And just quickly, we should mention the Women's Premier League Grand Final. Uh, Wanoona up against Shell Harbour. It's the inaugural season, what's been a really successful addition to Illawarra football. It should be a, a cracking final there between the Sharks and Shell Harbour. Yeah, it's been great, the, the women's IPL. Everyone that I speak to about the competition, of course, it, it was revamped this season. It was aligned with, with the juniors last year and, and all the seasons before that. It was the first year it was a a standalone women's IPL and Winuna and Shalabra have had stellar years and it's a bit of a changing in the guard this grand final too because of course in that uh, competition that, that it used to be it was Albion Park who were probably one of the best teams in the country to be honest in, in terms of their division um, they won everything in, in the local competition and, and state in the state uh, cups as well and, and of course University won the grand final they upset Albion Park last year uh, so it's been an Albion Park and University show for a number of years in the Illawarra so to have the Sharks and Shell Harbour in the grand final is a great testament. And it has been a sensational first year of the, of the women's IPL. Very good, mate. We appreciate having you on, but we're, uh, we're running late for the news. So we'll head to the news. We're going to come back and talk rugby as the Rugby World Cup uh, closes in. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Today at Saturdays in the Gong, we're live from Wollongong Golf Club on a beautiful spring morning. Hope it's treating you well on 1575 AMSEN Track Illawarra, or the app, or the website. Neilawarra Rugby Preliminary Final kicks off at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Ocean Park uh, up there at Winuna. It's Avondale up against Kiama. The winner gets one more shot at Shoalhaven in the grand final and joining us to talk all the action. Toby Dawson, good morning, mate. G'day, Baz, Matty, how are you, boys? Tobes. Very, very well. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect time of year. Uh, two teams are fairly evenly matched. I mean, I know Avondale came into the finals a bit underdone after missing a couple of games. Now, we know Shoalhaven have been all conquering for the best part of two years right now, but one of them's going to get a real good shot at um, getting through to the grand final and having a crack at them next week. Yeah, you're right there, uh, Baz. And I think what... You know, you've heard me talk a lot this year around the Brandon brothers and the class that they bring to the Shoalhaven side. Now, in Kiama, you've got the Asquith brothers. And they, you know, they've been growing up playing footy in the backyard and you can see that combo on the field and really they're in that same class in terms of quality that they bring to the team. Um, it's going to be really interesting. James Patrick, who's now coaching Kiama, did coach Avondale for a number of years. So he's really going to know their playbook. They, Avondale haven't changed that playbook mm -hmm. much in years. They're big, they play physical... But what's going to happen today in that first grade match, it's all around the forward. Shoalies wore Avondale down in the first 20 minutes last week. 
which is why they ran home with it. So if Kiama can do that in the forwards early, their back line will just absolutely sizzle. They'll get the win. And next week's grand final, if it's Kiama versus Sholies, will be one for the ages. Best one we've seen in years. Just with Kiama, I mean, it's been great to see they're an improving force in the competition. Who, who have you found as a couple of their, their standouts? Yeah, look, I'd just probably, you know, back to those Asquith brothers. You know, they, they just are bringing that level of momentum, that level of physicality, and they've just got that vision on the field to know where they are, where they want to do, where they want to be, and they direct the team. You know, this is the big difference between rugby union and rugby league, for those that don't tune in a lot to the 15-man uh, game. You've got six tackles in league, you get as much as you can in that time, and then you move on to the defensive play, or you score the points. In rugby, it's a game of possession and it's a bit more like chess. So you know you want to get to that corner. You might kick and lose territory, but know you're going to win that line out. You know? That's the way that you look at it. You've got to have a really important player in the 10, and Kyama have got a great 10 there who will command it. They know when to run it out the back line. They know when to keep it in the forwards and do those picks, or they know when to kick over the top, maybe because the wingers have come up into that defensive line because you've been effective through that forward play. Look, I think that that's what... Kaima bring to the field today. Uh, Avondale bring that big physicality. They keep it in the forwards. They wind up from behind the rock and just crash, crash, crash all day. Kaima have got a much more comprehensive game and they're going to throw it around a bit more. And the conditions that way they are today, I think we can see a bit of wind coming off Wanuna Beach by three o'clock into Ocean Park there. But I think that it's going to be brewing conditions for a great, great game of footy. So you're tipping, tipping Kaima slightly? Yeah, there's a bit of a personal bias there as well <laughs> I think the quality of the team you know objectively I think you know yeah. going for Kiama there is something about that Avondale DNA though you know over a long period of time they've made grand finals they haven't always won them there was a period where they just couldn't get over the top there but when they did you know they just just really started to, to know how to get it done didn't they you know we've been talking about exactly what Avondale have got is what we've been seeing the Wallabies lacking yeah. they just know how to win they win finals football they can do it ugly they can make it look pretty, but they don't care. They must get that result. And as much as I'd love to see Kaima get the nod, Avondale will show up. If they do not today, they don't play next week. And they work to next week's game every single year. So it'll really be a big bash out up there from the Avondale boys. They'll bring everything they've got. They won't leave anything at home. And uh, Kaima will likewise be looking to play that more comprehensive game, moving the big guys from Avondale around the field, try to wear them out. Um, and, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Well, it's interesting what you said about the wind, though, and the factor of that could play into, like, depending on if it's up already by the time 3 o'clock comes around or if it comes in after half time and allows for that one team to get a massive advantage about field position, as you talked about. That could be the part where, where the tired legs are in play, who's got that opportunity in the second half to utilise the wind? Yeah, 100%. And if we are looking at, you know, using that wind, kicking for corners, getting the line out... This will play into Avondale's hands because if they've got a line out in that sort of 10 metres, 5 metres, if they can win it, they're going to drive that mall over with the big boys. You know, you get to the line out, you have a breather, you recharge, you can go for another five minutes, get a driving mall over that line and score the tries. I think if we see the wind up, it's not going to be a pretty game of football, but it will play into the hands of the big guys because there'll be plenty of line outs, there'll be plenty of scrums, um, you know, with that wind. It can howl off. You can see mm. an absolute... Long-range cutout if you've got the wind on your side or a pass not hit your player as the gust comes through. So it's a... I don't like playing at Ocean Park. It's, it's <laughs> I can sense park. that in your, yeah. in your voice. But, I mean, I guess the big question, and not to undermine today's game, but how do you beat Shoalhaven next week? Yeah, and this is why I would like to see Kyoma get through. I think if anyone's going to beat them, 
it'll be Kiama because they can play a similar style of footy. Um, we've seen the way that the um, Shoalhaven, Miller boys win it up front. Of course, there's more. There's a great forward pack around the Miller boys, but they get that forward momentum, create space, Brandon boys cut it up. That's what happens. The big physical approach of Avondale doesn't really match that type of game plan because they just get run around, they get worn out, and we saw that happen in the first 20 minutes last week. Kiama, they've got more mobility, so they've got a better ability to respond to Shoalhaven as they attack all parts of the field. And I think um, if we're going to see a, if we're going to see a Kiama victory today, we're going to see a cracker of a grand final next week, and it'll be the closest any team gets to uh, knocking Shoalhaven off all year. Well, if you're looking for some rugby action this afternoon, Ocean Park, 3 o'clock, Avondale against Kiama in the preliminary final, all for a spot up against Shoalhaven in next week's grand final. Stick around, Toby, because I want to talk Rugby World Cup. We'll head to a break. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the gong, we're on the home stretch. A quick shout out to former Wollongong Saints player Ellery Morris, who made her AFLW debut for Collingwood. It was in a losing cause. Melbourne are a pretty awesome setup down there in the AFLW competition, but fantastic to see her make her debut for the Pies at centre half forward. Uh, her former club, the now Fig Tree Saints, take on Wollongong Bulldogs in the preliminary final for a spot against the Lions in the grand final. That's 140 this afternoon afternoon at Benera Oval down at Kiama and in the men's at 3.20 the Wollongong Bulldogs up against the Northern Districts, the rising force in AFL South Coast, the winner will play Fig Tree in their grand final. Now on to the Rugby World Cup, Toby Dawson, we're only a week away from playing Georgia but the blows, the hits keep coming for the Wallabies, uh, reported this week that James Slipper will miss the opening game leaving Eddie Jones with even more questions. Uh, but it's not bad news for us Wollongongians, Baz, because with uh, James Slipper stepping aside with a bit of a niggle to a tendon in his foot, it gives Blake Shop of Wanuna a real chance to get onto the bench and hopefully get some game time in that first match against Georgia. Yeah, amazing achievement. I mean, he's been a bit of a quiet achiever in terms of his career. Like, I've, I've watched a bit of Aaron, a fair bit of Aaron Shop as he came through the ranks in rugby league and, and got to the NRL with the Dogs and the Titans and just, just great to see Blake Shop um, get this opportunity at the highest level now. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's a tried-tested pathway. Go try for the Waratahs, get knocked back and told you're not good enough. Go to the Brumbies. <laughs> absolutely kill it and end up in the Wallabies squad. And I think when he um, got named... Uh, He's one of those guys that not a lot of people knew knew a lot about in terms of Wallaby's potential. But Eddie's, you know, he's thrown the rule book out this year and he's giving these guys a, a crack. And I think that there's two reasons behind that. One is they're good enough. But secondly, he's got to do something because what was going on wasn't working. And it's going to potentially work well for us because right now, 
teams are studying the All Blacks, the Springboks, the French, the English sides, you know, these top countries in the world who have got really well-established teams. They know the plays. They know how people are going to go. We've got a complete lucky dip. <laughs> no one's going to have a clue what we're doing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. even us. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. And, and he's playing. Eddie's playing off the fact that we're written off, yeah. and that, that's that's the type of personality that he brings to the thing. You know, he's he's ridiculing journalists already. He's sort of building that mentality within the group. Going, they don't rate us here. They don't rate us. Hundred percent. We're under the radar. You know. We've got a decent draw coming along. He probably wouldn't have said that to them. Yep. But they can sort of creep their way towards a quarterfinal and then get a real good crack. 100%. And, you know, it is meant, you know, the best thing about Eddie is how he gets the best out of people. And he's telling everyone in the team that there's no faith. So there's no pressure. You just go and have a crack. Yeah. You know, that's where the drunk uncle came in to play in Darwin the other week. Yeah. Um, he's really trying to build that thinking within the team, yeah. whilst behind closed doors, what he is doing to pump up their tyres and kick, build that self-belief is massive. Look at Carter Gordon, a lot of um, commentary after missing a few goals against the French last week. You know, the first one shaved the post, the second one wasn't far off and then it was a bit average, but his misses at kicks, 11 points, difference in, you know, winning or losing or having a pretty tight game, you know, so I think he's jumped in straight after that game and gone, he's a young kid, he's missed a couple, but we've got the faith, he'll get better. We're going to get better every game. Yeah. Um, but I think the big, big thing that we need to draw out is Georgia are not the, uh, the minor rugby team that they once were. They're going to be our first game in the Rugby World Cup. They knocked off Italy. You know, they had uh, Scotland behind 6-0 at Murrayfield. And you don't get over to the top of Scotland at Murrayfield very easily uh, earlier this year. They are probably the best performing and the biggest dark horse in the second tier nations. And I think we've got a bit of a wrestle on our hand in that first game. I guess the counter-argument in terms of the squad and where they're at is that Eddie's basically on a four-year cycle that he doesn't have the time to be a World Cup winning coach this time. So by taking so many young players and building these combinations that he's looking with an eye for four years' time when you know the Wallabies might be the real contenders then. Yeah, and France coming in as you know the top favourite. Uh, obviously, a few injuries after their game last week. Uh, but they've come in as clear favourites for the Home World Cup. They did this exact thing four years ago in Japan. They burnt the old guard. They brought in the new young spuds who had a com you know, competitive World Cup. Mm. Didn't blow anyone's socks off, but spent four years building those combinations with a brand new style of play, a brand new mentality of play, and clear sights on winning a Home World Cup. And hats off to Eddie if he can pull that off in four years' time. And anything that we get along the way, including this World Cup, is a massive bonus. South Africa obviously come in in imposing form. A little bit of interest in how the All Blacks respond after sort of being rolled as emphatically as they were uh, last week. I mean, is there is there a standout favourite for a World Cup or is it just is it one of those open ones where four can win? Oh, look, you've got a lot of um, predictions going into it, but once you hit finals time, anyone can win. And I think that's the really positive thing for Australia because, unfortunately, the way the draws are being pulled. So they pull out all of the pools well before the World Cup happens. So it's been done a couple of years ago based on rankings at that time. The way that uh, teams have evolved since then <laughs> means that there actually is a really strong part of the uh, draw and there's a not as strong part of the draw. So we'll see two of the top four ranked nations in the world fall out before the uh, final because they are in pools A and B. We're over mm -hmm. in pools C and D. Yep. So we'll have a relatively easy run. We're going to play either 
should we make it through to the quarterfinals, we'll have either England or Argentina. Um, England, they're in all sorts at the moment. Um, we saw that last week. They got bumped by Fiji in their friendly. Um, I think a big part of that's what the circus that's happened around Owen Farrell getting benched and then put back into the appeal process and whatnot. Um, so I think they're mentally not where they need to be. They'll sharpen over the next four games, so they'll be a great quarterfinal. Argentina, similarly, if we end up against them in the quarters, they've got Michael Checker under there, you know, overseeing them. We know he can do great things with teams. Australia play Georgia Sunday, 2am, September 10. So that's the start of the campaign. We've got one more break in us and then we'll sprint to the finish line. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, you're back at the end here of Saturdays in the Gong. Thanks to our great sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects and waste management, Avcon Project projects.com.au Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years, impactgaragedoors.com.au The Illawarra Mercury Subscribe at illawarramercury.com.au And our wonderful host Wollongong Golf Club, check out the Meet the Makers 5 course digger station Thursday 14th of September at 6 o'clock in the Garden Bar. Now Matt Campbell, can your Dragons get a sneaky win on the way out the Knights, I know they've been on an absolutely amazing run, but they've got a home final next week regardless. What do you make of tonight? No, no, the Knights are on a roll. As you said, I love what the Knights have been building throughout this season. I don't think they're going to go much further than this uh, than the, when they get into the finals, but they've been outstanding. I think the Dragons will turn up. They'll have a crack, but I've got the Knights getting over the top of them. My Bulldogs take on the Titans at 2 o'clock tomorrow up there on the Gold Coast. I just hope they've spent some time on the training <laughs> field and not at Caval Avenue along the way. Well, funny enough, I've got the Dogs in this game. This have is you? an interesting one. Yeah, they've had so much turmoil. They've got so much talent. I think they ante up for the last game of the year. You've been bagging the dogs all year. All and you've year. got more faith in them than I did yes. in the last round. Last round, they're up. Wow, okay. Well, all right, the Illawarra Rugby League Grand Final, Collegians and the Rule this afternoon at Wynn Stadium. Should be an absolute belter. Catch that with Mitch Jennings calling it live and free on Bar TV. Also, good luck to the great Kerry Parker from Kembla Grange carrying the hopes of the region with hope in your heart in the tramway and think it over in the Chelmsford this afternoon. Uh, Good luck, good punting. Thanks to all our guests. We'll be back at 8 o'clock next week, Saturdays in the Gulf.